0: Way or another is related to the prevention or attenuation of system overload risk. Right,
1: I, I look forward to that uh, impacting your your food choices, your um, the movies we watch.
0: Right, all of it with with an eye to system overload potential. <laughs> My whole fucking life, just desperate not to overload this system. Um, all right. Anyway, let's uh, let's let's get this this thing going here.
1: Okay. Do you want me to welcome people back? Are we rolling? We're rolling. All right, folks. You better welcome back to another episode
0: of Maybe Next Time. I am your host, William, with my co-host Simon. We're back, Nets Nation. We got a problem. <laughs> we are back as we are each and every unrelenting week to talk all things Nets Nation, and boy, do we have a show for you. A mere one week ago, seven days, <laughs> and we had a, uh, an overreaction po- uh, cast. In which we very confidently projected at worst we would just win the first 13 games of the season. (laughs) <laughs> Before we faced our first our first real challenge, um, instead what has happened is we have played four games in those seven days, a remarkable number of games. They're really coming fast and furious. We have lost three of those games, one one of those games uh, to even our season record at three and three. We will get into that little turn, as well as Spencer Dinwiddie news, load management talk, Stats Station, the triumphal return of Stats Station. I am so excited to actually have real stats to talk about here. Um, But Simon, before we get into any of these hot button topics, I gotta ask, um, are you... Are you still as high as you were last week on this team?
1: Uh, no, uh, I'm not. Um, I think that, uh, William, we have seen, and I'm sure your stats in the station will we'll, we'll get at some of these things, but I, what we've seen over the last week is a combination of problems, some of which I think we anticipated, right? Like not being very good at defense. Uh, maybe needing a a wing defender, maybe needing some toughness, um, and, oh, and Karis Levert maybe not fitting in with, um, uh, our two stars, all those things we anticipated, but coupled that with things that we didn't anticipate, like our bench sucking, uh, and of course, as we'll talk about the Spencer injury, um, and it's it's just been a very uh, you know it's it's you know we, we we I I think we went from last week feeling like all the flaws we thought we might have are are not as bad to like you know many many flaws and uh, some we didn't anticipate.
0: Ooh, okay, yeah, we you know I have made a pact with you, Simon, and our <laughs> listeners to uh-huh. to. To remain in the face of all possible troubles, the Nets may face unwaveringly optimistic this season. Uh-huh. And I gotta say, this is a pretty big trial this week for me to keep those <laughs> those rose tinted lenses on. Um, apparently, Jeff Green laid into the team after our most recent loss to the Hawks. So saying, you know what you would imagine. Maybe maybe we should play defense. Ever yeah. Um, do you think it's it's good that uh, Jeff Green's doing that, or, or do you wish it might be uh, <laughs> our two our two leaders?
1: Our two, yeah. Well, I I, I think that Jeff Green is kind of um, assumed he's our only hope for like the Garrett Temple role, mm-hmm. uh, like the savvy vet who's not you know who's just a, a utility player. Uh, but I, I did see that that. Um, Kyrie and KD also spoke, but I, I don't know exactly what they said. Like, all I heard was, like, some one player, I think it was maybe Joe Harris, said that, like, those two said stuff in the locker room as well as, as Jeff Green. What I would say for Jeff Green is um, if he's going to be our power forward off the bench, he should average more than one rebound a game.
0: Um, <laughs> So, oh, hey. Simon, so, mean, you can't you can't be down on Jeff Green this early in the season, okay? He, <laughs> he has shooting better. He though. has 66 more games to to earn your um, <laughs> e- your distrust, okay? Give him some time yeah. on that.
1: Well, William, did you anticipate? Here is something I forgot to mention. Did you anticipate this trouble with rebounding? Because I I didn't necessarily see that coming.
0: Um. I, I mean, I guess when your starter is going to be uh, – your starting power forward is going to be Kevin Durant, who is probably going to be roaming around the wings more than yeah. a down-low bruiser. I guess, you know, it's not totally
1: unpredictable. Yeah. I, I had just sort of – right. I, I guess I didn't anticipate as being the worst in the league at defense, defensive rebounding.
0: No, it's it's not a it's, good sign for sure. Yeah. Uh, a little, a little worrisome. Might have something to do with who our starting center is. Don't know. Don't know. Part, part, I part guess that. maybe that'll be discussed a bit in Stat Station. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. But before we get to Stat Station, which I'm obviously chomping at the bit to get to, we got to talk spe- Speedy. Mm-hmm. Spencer Dinwiddie, beloved net, longtime net, one of the longest serving nets. Um, Also, just a genuinely odd and intriguing character. Um, He has tried to commodify himself in a way that is unique among NBA players. Uh, He is a a very uh, vocal proponent of um, crypto. Yeah. And has uh, seemingly boundless self-confidence, which um, can at times be incredibly fun and rewarding to admire from a distance and other times um, (laughs) uh, maddening. Uh, One thing that I think one of our friends, uh, Tim, noticed in watching the Nets games is now that that Dinwiddie isn't arguably the best player on the court, his um, histrionics with regards to the ref were were tamed uh, a bit. And, um, but anyway, those are not these. I'm just realizing that I'm setting this long Spencer Dinwiddie thing up uh, without having mentioned why I'm bringing it up. And it's a very sad reason, which I'm sure all Mets Nation is aware of. uh, He's injured for the whole season. So maybe instead of shitting on the guys who express some sort of sympathy for him, which I am now expressing to you and our listeners. Um, it sucks. He's a, It's a big loss. He was our starting two, I guess you could say. Uh,
1: yeah. One or two. That's
0: right. And um, he uh, was a critical component in the much vaunted depth of this Nets team. I think it's very evident that uh, from these last few games that you know, you can't put it all on missing Spencer Dinwiddie, but surely hes they're not doing well since he's gone down. Um, what do you think, Simon, the implications are from this Spencer Dinwiddie season-ending, likely season-ending, I guess that's not uh, 100% yet, um, injury? Um,
1: it's very bad. Um, I, I, you know, he hadn't been lighting it up so far in the two-and-a-half games he played. But um, one of the things that um, Bill Simmons mentioned on one of his podcasts recently that, that I thought was interesting is like just having him out there means that you have three people who can basically grab the ball and go and, and can, can um, speed the ball down the court and create uh, a lot of fast-break opportunities. Um, and I had confidence that he would... At least get better than he had been because he's a pretty malleable guy. I think, uh, you know, we both have thoughts about, you know, maybe whether he was the the best fit on on this team or whether he should have been traded. But even if, you know, he were to be traded now, you know, you you're, I, you know, he goes from being a, a, a very tradable player to probably a not very tradable player. Um, I would think. Um, and so that limits, you know, what you're able to do to fix some of these flaws, right? The other thing is, is with Karras and Spencer, you had a, a sort of, um, a, a, uh, surplus of, of players like that who can, who can, who can dribble the ball, who can create their own shot. And, um, now even if you're like, okay, well we can still trade Karras or whatever. Well, if you do that. You know, and you get someone who's like a wing, a three and D wing or something. You then your next ball handler after Katie and Kyrie is maybe Chiosa, who I have to admit I didn't know like a week ago was on our team. Um, He's on a two way, I believe. Yes, yes, right, yeah. So, so a fringe NBA player as as your third ball handler is not is not great. So. It's a bad situation all the way around. It limits our flexibility. It, you know, Spencer is a good player. Um, you know, it's, uh, you know it's, it's
0: not good. No, and the, the trade part is potentially the most devastating because it, he has a player option next season. Yeah. So unless you have some assurances when you're trading for him that he's just going to take that. Right. Um, I guess, though, you would have the bird rights on him if you traded for him. Right, I, I think so. Which could be alluring. Anyway, it's sad that he won't be a part of this team. I know he has said that maybe he can uh, get back before the playoffs, which yeah. I think is an extremely optimistic right timetable that he's setting for himself. Mm-hmm. I don't know that medical science and the wildly, uh, generally very conservative medical staff of the Brooklyn Nets would be that uh, keen on him coming back that quickly,
1: right? Did you see he was also bragging about his his knee health, his his the shape of like the, the doctor said something like, "Wow, your knee looks a lot younger than a twenty seven year old's" or something like that. <laughs> uh, it was very Spencer.
0: Uh, <laughs> you know this knee, knee. This knee got a perfect score on the SAT. Yes, you know that? exactly, exactly. <laughs> Um. All right, Simon. Are the the second loss of the season? First loss was a whew, brutal to the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, they're not racking up a lot of other wins, but they did beat <laughs> us. But then that was with KD and Kyrie. Then they sat out the the back to back game the next night against the Memphis Grizzlies, who in the middle of it lost. Another one of their players, John Morant, but they also didn't have Jaron Jackson Jr. or um, uh, Justice Winslow. Okay. Um, So, anyway, we lost to the Grizzlies without Katie and Kyrie. They were sitting because of load management. We'd heard rumors that this would probably happen right before the season, that we, 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 it's going to be slow, they're going to ease them back in, they're not going to overplay them, et cetera, et cetera. How do you feel about the strategy and approach of sitting them on the same night mm-hmm. um, instead of staggering it and um, – also it came on a national tv game so it was an nba tv game which is supposed to be a no-no the nba would prefer that on national games uh teams not sit players but the nets obviously flouted that uh where do you where are you at with the load management approach so far um you know i i think (laughs) i
1: think that if our bench was actually as good as it was touted to be, and, and maybe it will get better, you know, we're only six games in, but but if our bench really was as, as good as we thought, I wouldn't have a problem with it because, um, you know, the, the more you can get those two players playing together, the more minutes they have together, I think, is like maybe the most critical thing for this team. Um, is getting them to to be used to playing with each other um, and getting them synced up. Um, so I think I I understand that the load management on that on that front. And the other thing is like the reason why they're sitting him is because it's a back to back. So if one of them plays, they're playing on that back to back. Both of them are very fragile people um, who you know if we could we would you know wrap them in... Bubble wrap. And so, you know, I, I don't think there's an easy solution. I think it's fine to stagger them, but, it, you know, the, the ultimate problem is that you have two very, very fragile, very, especially Kyrie, very brittle um, players who, you know, you're just trying desperately not to, to get hurt.
0: Yeah, I think that the uh, logic must be that they just want to get as many minutes and reps with these two together as possible. Right. So in that way, I think this is just likely what we're going to see for the rest of the season.
1: Yeah, and I, you know, I think that makes sense. I, I do think that that's a critically critically important thing. By the way, in, in all of the doom and gloom we've had, did you see though that, that at the very least Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are a plus 68 on the court together. So at least that seems to be working um, so far
0: yeah and that is uh, actually the perfect segue to st- 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 <laughs> stat station JJ. if you like things like plus minus 68 of on court duos and things like that you are going <laughs> to love the time the lengthy amount of time you are about to spend in stat station Longtime listeners will know that this was something i used to um inflict on listeners right at the beginning of the cast um, uh, ensuring that we would drive away anyone not captivated by um, PR, PERs and uh, RPMs and PEIs and all that sort of thing. Um, but I have, mercifully, waited um, almost 17 minutes to get into Stat Station this week. And <laughs> for that, I think I should get some sort of recognition and acknowledgement for... Send
1: the, that recognition to maybe next time at gmail.com.
0: dot com. Yeah, let us know what you think of me waiting almost seventeen minutes <laughs> to talk about stats. <laughs> Um, All right, so I'm gonna do. I'm gonna start with some just very ge- generic, broad team stuff, right? And then mm-hmm. we're gonna get a, we're gonna drill down, and get a little more granular on the individual play. Okay, Okay. and this, all of this, of course, to make this even more frustrating for some and wonderful for others, all of this has to have uh, the caveat that. There haven't been enough games for these stats to really mean anything. Uh, So keep that in mind as we have this conversation. All right, team stats. Our net rating, Simon, which is usually Mm -hmm. what you want to look at when you want to get a sense of how dominant your team actually is, right? You might lose a few close games, and that might skew your record to perhaps be worse than you actually are. So net rating is where a lot of people look. Right now we're seventh overall in the league, in okay. net rating, which is good, right? You can take some com- comfort in that. Not yeah. bad at all. But, and I think this will be uh, a, something you might be curious to hear, we're actually fifth in the East. So of the top seven teams, five of them are in the East, which begs the question, Simon, is the East better than the West this year?
1: Ooh, yowzer, yowzer.
0: <laughs> uh, what do you think?
1: I don't really know. I I, I mean, I, I it seems – the only thing I will say, I'm pretty underqualified to be answering this question, but I, it just seems to me like we were talking about off mic that, like, if you can easily say there are seven teams that you think are clearly going to be playoff teams in the East, right, and that seventh team is either – the, I don't know, I, I guess like uh, Toronto's looking not so good. So maybe it's them. And at the beginning of the year, it was like the Pacers, but like all those teams are good teams. Um, you know, it, it's not fair to me to say it's like a weak conference. Cause there's a lot of good teams in that, in that bunch.
0: Yeah. Agreed. Um, okay. Our offensive rating, Simon, uh, this, you know, preseason Everyone, your man Pelton at ESPN, a number of people had the Nets penciled in for number one offense, which, when it's working with KD and Kyrie, it is not hard to imagine why people projected that and why we have a very realistic chance of getting it by the end of the season. However, mm-hmm. right now, we're currently eighth. Oh. Yeah. So we have the uh, 8th best offensive rating, which, and this is the part I I found interesting here, which puts us just behind the Houston Rockets and just ahead of the Washington Wizards. So (laughs) I just wanted to bring that up to not say that we're analogous to the Rockets or the Wizards, but when you're talking about offensive rating, at least at this very early stage in the season... It is not having a top 10 offense does not a gr- a great team make, right? Those, te- <laughs> those two teams are god-awful. I think they have two wins between them. Um, but they both have supercharged offenses. So uh, I know it's uh, a cliche, but, you know, defense is important. Um, which brings us to the defensive rating. F- so first few games... We had the best defense in the league. People were talking about how surprised they were that we were kicking so much bootay on that end of the court. It's not the case anymore, Simon. (laughs) (laughs) When you face the league's number one offense twice in a row, the Atlanta Hawks, you're not going to keep that number one defensive rating. We are currently 12th,
1: Mm.
0: which isn't terrible. But um, this, I think, as we've said all along, is probably the thing we need to keep the closest eye on. Yeah,
1: I agree.
0: Uh, Let's just, we'll we'll table it for now, but we can say trending in the wrong direction. Yes, from 1 to 12 Yeah, (laughs) If you're in stat station and you (laughs) want to know, if you want to read the tea leaves, the tea leaves are looking like Mets defense in trouble right now. (laughs) So, let's transition now to the individual stats uh first category of individual stats I want to talk about is efficiency okay that's a good Uh-oh. thing right <laughs> we like efficiency in terms of scoring and yeah. uh shorthand for for what's good and 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 bad is being an efficient scorer is good. Being an inefficient scorer is bad. To, <laughs> William, o- to you, oversimplify you have, <laughs> the world.
1: I, I know that you, you've been inundated with these stats, but you're, you're doing a good job to keep things simple for the rest of us. <laughs>
0: I think I need, I need some work on not looking at stats and talking to other people, though, I gotta say. Um, all right. So we have two amazingly efficient offensive weapons on our team in Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Kevin Durant is currently, his true shooting percentage is 65%. Kyrie's is 60% true shooting. The league average is about 55%. So those guys are scoring with a wild efficiency. At, obviously, players, uh, big men, have more efficient scoring because most of their shots come at the basket. But to have people who play on the wings uh, with those types of shooting percentages is is pretty remarkable. So tip of the hat to them. <laughs> uh, I but tip of the hat
1: to Kevin Durant. My tip
0: of my hat. I'm sure they'll both be thrilled to hear I've tipped my hat to them. Now, Simon, I don't think you would imagine I would have brought this up if there, there wasn't a converse to this, mm-hmm. to this mm-hmm. point. So conversely, Karis Levert, beloved by some on this podcast, uh, <laughs> Karis Levert has the third worst true shooting percentage on our entire team. He is currently shooting uh, – has a true shooting percentage of 46%. That's approximately 9% below league average. Uh, and the two people he's better than on our team are Chris Chioza and Reggie Perry.
1: <laughs> Come on, Reggie. That's so, honestly surprising with Reggie.
0: Simon, as someone who is a, super, a Levert super fan, you, it's how me. are you feeling about um, – Karis LeVert this season, his shooting efficiency, his scoring <laughs> prowess, and can I ask maybe for the two, two thousandth time on this this show and and other <laughs> ones, uh, is he our, our for sure our third star?
1: <laughs> William, he I'm going to answer that with another LeVert bromide, which uh, Kenny was a fan of saying, he's a rhythm player. <laughs> 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 the guy has no rhythm. Uh, right now, for for the game, uh, yeah, I, I mean he hasn't he hasn't shot the ball well. Uh, he he's been a, one of the biggest reasons. I mean, here's the other thing though. He he, it, it's coupled with the fact like his shooting is bad. I think his regular field goal percentage is like thirty nine percent. Everyone in the in our bench, besides Jared Allen, is, and um, of course uh, Green, who's who's scoring a whopping like five points a game, uh, is shooting in the thirties. Scoring Prince is shooting in the thirties. Landry Shamet is shooting in the thirties. Like it's just an awful bench unit right now. Um, and one thing, I just very quickly—I know your stat station is long. Just one one thing,
0: though, that I wanted to to get got your read We all the time in the world, please. Okay, let's okay. Luxuri- <laughs> let's luxuriate in stat station for, <laughs> for a <laughs> thank while. Thank you, thank you.
1: I, I I'm curious what you think about this, but I was quite worried when I heard Steve Nash say what I think we've all been kind of worried about. But you know, to have the actual coach say this. He said, when when asked about you know whether LeVert should be moved into the starting lineup instead of fringe NBA player Timothy Um <laughs> uh he said, <laughs> I mean Love TLC as a backup, but maybe an NBA championship caliber team should not have um, a fringe NBA player on this the starting lineup. Um, anyway, he he says, Ignash said. You know, with Laverde in there, it's kind of like you're getting with, you know, skills replication. I'm paraphrasing here, but, you know, there's a lot of skill replication and you're maybe not able to get everyone, you know, basically able to do what they're best at right. Like, you know, getting, you know, um, maximum, you're not maximizing everyone's talents, I think is what he said. So if that's the case, and it may well be, it's something we've talked about on this podcast quite a bit. I don't feel comfortable... (laughs) having Karras Levert on this team. Like, I don't think you want, it's one thing to have him come off the bench because you don't have another ball handler. That's, that's fine enough. But if you don't want him at the end of games and you feel like a lineup with him, KD and Kyrie is not a good lineup. That's not a good, (laughs) uh, hello.
0: No, I agree completely.
1: Okay. There was a, a, a buzz sound. Sorry. Um, so I don't know. I, that's a really worrying thing. I don't, yeah. Um, That's my rant.
0: No, uh, completely, completely agree. Have have said before the season repeatedly that I was most in favor of him getting moved on, uh, like getting traded this offseason because I thought that he was just the worst fit for the guys that we brought in. He's a super high usage, super high usage super inefficient scorer. yeah i don't care how much rhythm he may have doing it um it's always been an inefficient score he's not a good shooter um and and never has been and so yeah i think at at best as i said in our last podcast at best he's going to become like a lou williams instant offense guy off the bench He's mm-hmm. not a third star. <laughs> I don't think anyone in the league is going. You know, uh, give a couple more weeks of shooting almost ten percent below league average uh, shooting efficiency, um, and I just can't imagine any team talking themselves into him being um, uh, at you know a num- even like a number two guy on their team.
1: Yeah, and do you think? Just finally, do you feel like? You were proven wrong, and I right. And I would also like to take some credit for this because I was also clamoring for a trade of someone um, before before the season. Like one of the reasons why a trade like that is not just what you said there with with Karras' value going from um, you know Karras Levert possible third star to Lou Williams, but also you risk an injury which makes
0: one of your players pretty much untradeable. Yes. No, I mean, we said it several times. (laughs) I said his stock is never going to be higher. He went down to the bubble. He led a team, you know, in scoring. He had more assists than we've ever seen from him. People were bringing him up in, you know, uh, blockbuster trade packages, right? That's as high as you're ever going to get on on Carousel Vert. It's only downhill from here. And, I, I, you know, Maybe it's just a, a rocky start to the season. I mean, he's scoring a, a lot of points, but again, um, efficiency is a thing that is valued. <laughs> scoring <laughs> efficiency is a thing that is valued. So, uh, not looking so good on that front. Yeah.
1: But again, uh, just a tip of the hat
0: to kind but, of uh, hey,
1: I, I just want
0: <laughs> I want to double down on my hat tip. Well, nice those, job those, boys. Those guys are gonna be tickled pink when they hear that I, I gave a tip of the hat in minute eighteen in my podcast. You're on Williams radar.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he's lacking what he's seeing.
0: <laughs> you long courted my approbation and now you have it. <laughs> What's this? <laughs> All right, my final stat station stop, Simon. Choo 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 choo. Uh, it's it's an obvious one. You knew it was coming. It was a matter of time, and it's, it's we'll, we'll title we'll title the segment DJ vs. JA. <laughs> Steve Nash is getting increasingly angry questions from Brian Lewis about why the fuck he's starting DeAndre Jordan. And he is having to defend it in all kinds of excruciating uh, <laughs> ways. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I thought, you know, I talk a lot about how Jared Allen's clearly better than De- than DeAndre Jordan, but maybe we should look at the stats from this season to see whether or <laughs> not that's true. I I want to give a shout out to to Nets Daily's recent um recent film breakdown of some of the defensive lapses in, in a recent Nets game against the Hawks. And in that article, they described uh, DeAndre Jordan's legs as cement-laden. <laughs> <laughs> and that's more or less what it looks like. It, it looks like he has some massive weight bearing down <laughs> on his two largely immobile legs. Um, particularly on, as we've lamented many times on defense. So anyway, not to bias what I'm about to, to, to argue with the stats, but uh, I'm not I'm super high on DeAndre Jordan. Continue not to be. Um, so let's start start uh, on the most basic, th- on a, on a sort of optimistic thing, and that is that Jared Allen is currently already averaging three more minutes a game. Okay? Yeah. So that's a slight relief. It indicates to me that the coaching staff recognizes that he is better. <laughs> but yeah. for uh, court intrigue political reasons, he is being denied his rightful spot as a starter, which you'd imagine for a young guy who would like to get paid next season might get a little bit frustrating over time. <laughs> <laughs> uh- um, so I do think, you know, Jared Allen is a very affable guy, a very quiet guy. Um, so I think maybe we begin to discount the sort of psychologically frustrating nature of the role that he has been cast into. Um, but I don't think it should be totally, uh, you know, um, overlooked because it has to be immensely frustrating for him. Um, <clears throat> Jared is currently averaging four more points and three more rebounds a game, and has a ridiculous per-36 line, 14.17 rebounds over two blocks a game. Again, if you are a starter and get starter minutes, you're going to see lines a little closer to that, Uh, but one thing that I thought was maybe the craziest of the stats between these two... uh, even though DeAndre plays most of his minutes with KD and Kyrie, who you've already mentioned have a ludicrous plus 68 net rating when they're on the court together, right? Yeah. They're, they're one of the best two people to uh, play on the court with if, in terms <laughs> of plus-minus in the entire NBA. DeAndre still manages to have a worse plus-minus than Jared Allen, which wow. is absurd. Jared Allen is a plus-five overall, where DeAndre Jordan, again, playing with two guys that are plus-68, is a plus-one. Wow. Yeah. Um. Now... The meta stats, the PERs, the PIEs, the RBMs, the, like the real, uh, the real plus minus aren't even out yet because they won't do it till a certain number of games have been done. But I uh-huh. took a little, a little peeksy into the PER <laughs> and the PIE, Simon, and believe it or not, they feel the same way I do. Uh, Jarrett is vastly superior in terms of PER. Jarrett is currently the third highest ranked net behind Katie and Kyrie, obviously. Uh, He's the 39th highest PER in the entire NBA, which is pretty good. Um, Whereas our boy DeAndre Jordan has the 185th best uh, PER in the league. Again, that is a number that vastly um, prefers big men. To guards. So if you're a starting big man in the league and manage to make it down to 185, you have put on a spectacularly (laughs) uh, bad performance in the league. Uh, Truly, truly miserable. And then the PIE, Simon, which is player impact uh, estimate. Estimate, estimate, yep. Jared is third on the team, again, behind KD and Kyrie. So these advanced stats are seriously enjoying. Uh, Jared Allen this year he's coming in third behind two legit superstars and all of these things uh, with a with a PIE of fifteen whereas uh, DeAndre Jordan has the sixth best P, uh, PIE on our team with nine. Okay, so, so this is all. Wait, the, what, you said sixth? Sorry, sixth best. Okay, that's higher show.
1: than you might think. Yeah, or I, or I would think.
0: Yeah, again, these generally tend to favor Bigman. Yeah. And as you've said, the bench shooting has been so atrociously bad (laughs) that uh, it's not terribly surprising that he's doing okay. So anyway, Simon, all of that is to say the thing that we've said a million times, Jared Allen's clearly better, right? Yes, he is better. (laughs) I agree. Are you concerned (laughs) at all that maybe a guy who is by every objective measure, better and is in a contract year, right? He is, he didn't get an extension. He's playing for what could be the biggest contract of his entire career. He is generally recognized as our best young player. I mean, he is 100% recognized as our best young player. uh, And, probably would like to position himself to get a fat paycheck next season how much longer do you think they can continue arbitrarily putting him on the bench behind Jared Al uh, sorry behind DeAndre Jordan simply because of DeAndre Jordan's relationship with two people on this team
1: yeah, so I, I think it is definitely a concern, and I'm sure it rubs Jarrett the wrong way. I, I do think, to your point about minutes, I think that that's going to grow. And I do – there's at least been – at least one or two of these games Jarrett has been the center who's out there. Sometimes there hasn't been a center or it's been like garbage time. We've had a lot, a lot of garbage time close. It's both good and bad um, for the Nets this year. But, um, but Jarrett was definitely the one out there against the Hawks. Um, and, um, so I, 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 I think you will see, and, and I mean, he's getting good numbers. I mean, I, you'd like to see the points come up a bit, right. You'd like to see him play more than 22 minutes. Um, but his rebounds are fantastic. Um, even though yesterday he had four rebounds, like they're still like, he's still averaging like 11 and a half rebounds a game.
0: Yeah. He's averaging 11 rebounds a game per 36, 17 rebounds a game.
1: Yeah, so that's that's fantastic. So he's getting his numbers, um, and also uh, hopefully his agent is telling him like all of those big players in twenty twenty one, almost all of them have been off, taken off the table, um, and you're going to eat next year. Um, I, I think one way or the other. Oh boy. There's a lot of money in 2021 for for JA. I, I, I think I I I wouldn't worry about his his money. I would worry about you but know. But do you the see internal. why? I
0: mean, but do you see why it could be terribly frustrating for that person? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's just yeah. never talked about because he doesn't have a big personality. But surely he must uh, feel something about it, right?
1: Yeah, I mean I, I, I think I think they will probably he he I would be surprised if he doesn't start getting questions about it if he hasn't already.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah, if Brian Lewis is allowed anywhere near him, he's gonna get questions about <laughs> it. I love Brian Lewis. <laughs> yeah, he's 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 developed
1: an edge, I think. Oh totally more so than in years past.
0: He absolutely has. And uh, he is he is not he's not drinking the Kool Aid right now though those first two games my god it was easy to drink the (laughs) kool-aid right that that kool-aid tasted so good (laughs) all right so thanks for indulging me in stat station simon of course
1: great to be back in the station
0: um let's move on you know just because you can't see me i can see you right Oh, yeah, you are okay, looking well, relaxed right now, my <laughs> friend.
1: I'm, 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 that's what people like in the podcast, when they like to have it be two two people just having a chat.
0: <laughs> One of whom is fully reclined on his couch. <laughs> I'm
1: going to turn off my camera if you aren't careful. <laughs>
0: All right, so next segment, Simon. It's a new segment. It's called Simon Sends a Segment. <laughs> And it really wouldn't wouldn't uh, work if I didn't directly quote the segment that you've sent. Okay, so I'm going to read your words back to you uh, and for our listeners, because I think they 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 deserve a glimpse behind (laughs) this veil. (laughs) All right. Do you want to do a segment where we compare the net season so far to something? Okay, reasonable enough. I like it. I would like to compare it to Costco. No explanation. No follow up. Drop the mic. Walk away. Uh, To which I say, Simon, sure. Let's do it. Um, So, why, why are you comparing it to Costco? Well, tell tell okay. us a little bit about this segment. What what do what are you hoping to get from this segment? Okay.
1: Well, so, folks, I, I to me this season so far has been like a trip to and the general experience of Costco uh, pre COVID times. I, I they had um, you know a big thing with them is like samples. Right. You go around and you, one of my favorite things to do as a kid was to go with my dad to Costco um, and we would gather up all the, all the, um, samples we could possibly get. Um, and those samples were great. Um, those samples, you get like, you know, a a little bite of, of, of something is basically the best that food item is ever going to taste. And you have your first thing of it. Um, and me being a, a pesky child, I would, um, you know, pester my child my my father to to get any number of, of things based on the samples. And occasionally he would relent and and you know, let me get one of these things in a giant sixty-four pack of, you know, whatever Costco size thing. And so I would describe the the first sensation, the, the delicious sample segment of, of the Costco experience as the first two games. Okay, they were delicious, they were great. And then the rest of the season, the, the four the three losses in four games, etc., uh is when you get home and you're forced to eat, you know, eight hundred like pretzel bagels, uh, with a hot dog in the middle or whatever, and like you're <laughs> eating, you know, one bite of that hot dog bagel is fine, but 800 hot dog bagels is jamming up your freezer and you're not allowed to get another snack until you finish all of those fucking pretzel bagels or pre- pretzel um, uh, hot dogs it is terrible. <laughs> this has been Simon Sends a Segment. <laughs>
0: And this concludes our latest installment <laughs> of Simon lying on a couch talking about eating pretzel hot dogs. Thank you, folks. Good night.
1: <laughs> I'm already asleep.
0: Do <laughs> you ever go to Costco, William? Uh, I my my parents were not members when I was a kid, but I have gone. Like, I would occasionally go with Adults, Other adults, you know, right. and that was right. amazing. I loved it. It was a magical place. And I also have been as an adult yeah, um, okay. and the samples, I have to say, even as an adult are just as thrilling as when you're a kid. <laughs>
1: Yeah. yeah, they're just the right temperature. They've they, they've added some accoutrements that don't come with the actual items.
0: Yeah, absolutely. No, it's great. It's fantastic. My the the thing I came up with for this, Simon, the the logic is <laughs> identical to your own. Uh, I was going to compare the compare it to uh, butteritas, mm, right? So you pop sure. those things. You're having so right. much fun. It's a sweet. Sour blast. This could go on forever (laughs) and ever and ever. But as it slowly warms in your hand and as you're looking – and then more horrifyingly, as you're looking down the barrel of a second one and let's right. not even get into third or fourth, no, you're going to no, have no. so much sugar inside your body. So <laughs> so much corn syrup Right. That you are going to either get very sick that evening or else wake up with one of the absolute worst hangovers you will ever have in your life. Yes. Um and yes, I I, I think we're – we had an overreaction podcast last week where we're overly optimistic. It's been a rough week. I don't think we need to despair completely yet. This isn't a Butterita binge. Uh, but it sure hasn't felt very good, and oh. I'm hoping that we can swap out – the butteritas for just like maybe a Tecate with a lime in it or something, something more sustainable. You know, it's not a great beer necessarily, but it's good enough to see you through the evening.
1: Right. Right. Absolutely. That is a great, a great comparison. Perhaps you're you're hoping to spill some of your Arita on someone so you don't have to drink
0: it all. (laughs) (laughs) Dad, the back of your jacket's covered in this man's Arita juice. It's not the first time, kid. Turn around. <laughs> anyway, for those for listeners who were not at this Jets game with us, Simon, the seats are it's really steep. And yeah. And we, of course, ordered some arenas <laughs> to take up to our seats, which Simon promptly spilled on the back of the elderly man sitting in front of us. And the first time he did it was a small enough amount because it was also raining <laughs> that day that you could you could ethically rationalize. It wasn't necessary to immediately alert him of what had happened to his back. Yeah. But the second and third time Simon no, spilled so much,
1: seconds. so I,
0: much onto the back that it was unconscionable not to mention it, not yeah. to mention his daughter noticed. So.
1: <laughs> well, That's his kinda... daughter
0: noticed
1: after, <laughs> after she was tasked with wiping it off.
0: That brought the moment to its crisis, really. she, she was,
1: yeah, she, she felt compelled to tell her father that it was sticky. <laughs>
0: Oh, uh, okay. So we, so we did get a mailbag from our friend, Tim. He wants us to compare current nets to historic players. Oh, yeah. yeah did you yeah. do your homework on this one? I, I have a couple, yes. Oh, go for it. Okay, so... Okay, the, 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 the prompt is compare a so historic player. Sorry, compare any player from NBA history to a current net.
1: So I, I just think that... We've talked about this actually before, so it's a little bit of a cop-up, but I, I do think it's pretty, pretty perfect. Um, unfortunately, um, that Kyrie and Stefan Marbury are pretty, pretty similar. They are two players that, if you look at a stat sheet, right, they look fantastic, like, you know, and, 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 um, Steph, I don't think shot as well as, as Kyrie, but he had more assists. Like his stat sheet, I just remember looking at it, because I also, you know, followed him when he was with the Suns. You know, it was fantastic. But his teams never won. Now, that's not a perfect comparison. Obviously, Kyrie has a championship, but there is something to the way that Kyrie plays where like he he plays great. You know, a lot of the time, he's had a couple of bad games this year, but but overall, as you just mentioned, like, fa- fabulous, high-volume, high-efficiency shooter, um, but just, you know, like, last year, it was 8-12 with the Nets. Like, that is not good um, for a superstar. Uh, and so, you know, similarly with, with Stefan Marbury, he also had some, some, you know, difficulties with the media. He had some mental health issues, which I'm hoping... Kyrie, you know, does not. Uh, I'm not a physician. I'm not claiming that he, he does. But uh, I just think those similar point guards, I just think they're similar. They played for the Nets. That's That's my big one.
0: All right. Mine is DeAndre Jordan, and I'm going to compare him <laughs> to former Lobo and then future Chicago Bull, Luke Longley. <laughs> Simon, would you say Luke Longley was a particularly agile center? No. No, not known for his agility, was known for being big. Uh, <laughs> and I think at this point in DeAndre's career, that's probably his best skill that he's bringing to the game, right? Yeah. So, DeAndre is our Luke Longley. Now, on the plus side of that, Luke Longley was on a championship Bulls team. Mm. Uh. So... You know, if he was good enough then, he should be good enough now to be on a championship team, right? Sure, sure. All right. Um,
1: I, I'm going to... My, my next one
0: is uh, Joe Harris as Steve Kerr. Ooh.
1: Um, I, I was going to say
0: Danny Ainge for him.
1: Sure, sure. Although Danny Ainge is kind of nasty.
0: Um, He's kind of a... I feel like Joe is about to transition into a bit nastier player. I hope so. I hope yeah. so. Um,
1: that would be great. Um, I would love for him to get to get some, some bad boy in him. Um, we, we need a bad boy. Uh, he, though, to me, like, really understands his role, doesn't step outside of it, gets better around the edges at, 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 at what he does. Um, but he's not, you know, gonna, gonna clamor for, for a lot of ball handling minutes. Um, you know, he's just gonna, he's just gonna do what you need to do on a, on a team. And, uh, you know, he's a good teammate.
0: He's a good dude. Um, and you know, just like, uh, Steve, Steve Kerr was. All right, Simon, if, thank you for the question. First of all, we love him. We need him. We got to have him. Simon, would you tell people where? they might submit questions to the podcast? Uh, sure. Uh,
1: you can go to maybe next time at gmail.com. Type that into your uh, to form on your email. And uh, you can also find us at maybe next time on Instagram and Twitter. Um, and send us your thoughts, comments, questions, feelings, and rate and review us as well. We really, we really love those. Five-star reviews, um, particularly on Apple Podcasts.
0: Five stars only, five stars only. Who, uh, what would you compare this Nets team to, if not Costco and Butteritas? We'd love to hear your uh, killer comparison there. Right. Uh, Okay. Simon, it's been an absolute pleasure watching you recline and also (laughs) talking about the Nets. And yes. also returning finally at Long Last to Stat Station.
1: Yes, Stat Station has been too long. Uh,
0: okay, we will see you all next week and uh, sorry that's not what we say here. We will go ahead and see ya next time! We've been together too long.
1: Like a worn-out recording of a favorite song.
0: While she lay there sleeping I read the paper in bed and in the personal columns there was this letter I read if you like me to come